Hi everyone, it's Luke. No Dave again this week. What is he even doing these days? He is in Japan. If you listened to the last episode, you'd probably know that. I think we mentioned on the last episode. Anyway, uh, hey, welcome to Oliver Time. Bit of a, a unique episode this week. I recorded some on the internet audio with our good friends from Funk Estate in New Zealand. I interviewed them years ago, uh, like in at Beavana, I don't know, 2011, 2012-ish, somewhere around there. Uh, and it's kind of cool to see that they're, they're still going and I think making, uh, winning fans over uh, not only in New Zealand and Australia, but also now in the UK. Uh, recorded over the internet, uh, which I don't love doing the sound, obviously suffers, but, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, and the reason I, I did it this way is because... A little bit of spruiking for uh, Catfish Pine of Origin during Good Beer Week. They are going to be doing New Zealand, uh, and we're going to be doing a West Island Vibes podcast on Wednesday night. Dave will be back in time, I think. Dave, if you're listening, let me know. I'm pretty sure you are. Uh, and we'll be inviting some of our friends from New Zealand breweries. So it's going to be neat. Uh, we're going to do like a, a panel thing, or maybe we'll tag in and tag out. I haven't decided. Uh, we'll decide on the night, eh? Uh, also during Good Beer Week, Lucksmith, uh, I'm doing an event with them on the last Sunday. There's going to be Clamato Boilermakers and, uh, I don't know, like a, maybe a Muscle Cutsel Sundal and Stupid Beers. Uh, I don't know, I might blend some Lambic with something. We'll find out. Uh, watch this space. If you're not doing anything on the last Sunday of Good Beer Week, you should come along. It'll be awesome. Uh, west side of Melbourne... We're going to be doing oysters and things. What else did I have to talk about? Uh, I'm also doing a panel talk on the Wednesday of Good Beer Week. It's called Retain, Review, Resolve. Uh, it's going to be really cool. We're going to... We've got uh, Roxy from Stomping Ground, who's, I guess, head of... I don't guess it. I know it. Uh, her title is Head of People and Culture. And I've also got someone yet to be named from Stone and Wood uh, from the HR team. And we're going to be talking about uh, how the hell do you manage staff. There are so many laws, so many little bits and pieces, uh, and also just getting your staff engaged. There was an article a while back in the Crafty Pint about breweries, I don't know, moaning that they can't keep staff. Uh, moaning. It's tough out there for these breweries. I'm sorry, guys. But, I mean, I, I think it's no one's really sure how to manage staff if you've never done it before. And if you've never, you know, managed a person or hired a person or developed a new employee and suddenly you're in charge of 15 to 100 employees at a brewery, how the hell do you do it uh, And on top of everything else you have to do? So, yeah, uh, come come along and learn from two, um, two people who do it every day in the industry. And if you look at both companies' records, they do it well. Uh, also, I, I used to be a manager uh, managing people, so I know I know a few things, but I'll probably leave it up to those two. No, I'm going to chime in. You know me. I've got so many opinions. Uh, also, just got back from Happy Symposium slash Happy Festival in New Zealand. Happy uh, means hops in Maori, and Garage Project have used that to drive their kind of uh, hop development project in uh, conjunction with the Department of Primary Industries in New Zealand and a few other pit players and they also invited like I don't know a stupid list of uh, breweries from around the world 
mostly the US, mostly breweries that you uh, absolutely love or haven't tried yet but probably will love if you got a chance to. We're talking uh, Other Half, The Vale, Hill Farmstead, Trillium, Tired Hands, Salamaker, St. Adarius, uh, all sorts, all sorts. And it was a blast. The festival was awesome. Uh, I've got four or five podcasts coming out, short little podcasts with the Good Bear Hunting crew uh, where I'm there talking to some select breweries and also Joss from Garage Project. So uh, if you haven't listened to the Garage, the Good Bear Hunting podcast, you can jump over just for those ones though. Jump back to this one when you're done. Uh, they're not up yet. Wait till they're up. I think that's all I have. Uh, we'll throw to my chat with the the Funk Estate crew and we'll have another one of these as well, recorded online uh, maybe next week, maybe the week after. Let's record it first and we'll find out. Uh, oh, if you're a Patreon and you haven't let me know your current address, please let me know. I should say if you're a Patreon top tier uh, and you haven't let me know your current address, please let me know. If you're lower than top, lower than top, uh, you missed out already because we only had a limited amount of comics to give away if you're top tier and you haven't given me your address let me know and i'll get a comic out to you uh that's got a whale and a squid and you maybe get a button and a sticker in there as well uh maybe a sneaky announcement right now of the next patreon beer which is going to be uh side by side mead brewed with vec yeast and dry hopped so that's happening uh, that'll be happening for all the Patreon people. We're getting shit back on track, and we're starting with two different Quebecs. Sorry, Quebec me uh, meads. Ugh, I bloody massacred this. Let's just go to this chat with Funk Estate, and uh, I'll chat to you guys soon. Get everyone to say their name so the listener knows who's who. Yeah. Hey, I'm uh, I'm Dylan Shearer from uh, Funk State Brewery. Hey, uh, Jordan Everson, uh, top dog at Funk State Brewery. Shiggy <laughs> uh, from Funk State, making beer. <laughs> All right. How's uh, how's things in the world of Funk State? Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Um, yeah, we've been uh, in the mount almost almost two years now. Um, after moving from Auckland and then moving from Wellington to Auckland before that, uh, yeah, we're um, yeah still still growing slowly and uh, we've been exporting uh, quite a bit more lately. We picked up um, picked up a distributor in in the UK called New Zealand Beer Collective, so we've been um, really trying to grow that uh, that market over there recently, which has been going quite well. Um, and the domestic market has pretty been pretty stable for us overall. Mm. Um, and just focusing on uh, making a lot of fun new beers. Uh, it's kind of what we what we do. <laughs> For people that might not know, where is the mount? Uh, so it's sort of like um, three hours uh, southeast from Auckland. Um, sort of like top middle of the uh, the North Island of New Zealand. Yeah, I, f- I feel like there's a few breweries popping up that part of the world. Is there? Who are your neighbours? Um, so we share our facility with Mount Barunko. Um, so we we run like a bit of a cooperative uh, operation, I guess. Um, and then close by in 
in uh, the wider Tauranga region, there's not heaps of people here. There's the island who are sort of a new-ish operation. They've been going a year and a half, maybe. Yep. So uh, what was their name? They're called The Island. Um, the Island. Yeah. Uh, they draw a lot of their kind of inspiration and imagery from um, surf culture and, uh, and that kind of thing. Um, mm. And also in Tauranga, there's Fitzpatrick, who yeah, is right. like a pretty small uh, kind of hobby operation. Um, and then I guess the other closest ones to us are pretty much like... Um, there's a contract brand based here called Rocky Knob as well. Uh, um, yeah. yeah, apart from that... Um, uh, Lumberjack, they're a pretty small, maybe yeah, 300, small 400 litre operation. There's another one of those kind of operations called, um, called Slab who's uh, packaging all his stuff in those uh, big 946 mil crawlers. Yeah, right. Um, and then in kind of like the wider Bay Plenty area, you kind of have like Croucher, Croucher George, Matabir, um, in Papo, which is a few hours away. Um, got people like Lakeman Brewing. Um, Crafty Trap. <laughs> there's probably like, I don't know, there's probably about 15 or 16 brands within a 90 minute to hour radius from us, I'd say. It's quite a lot when you think about it. When I think of probably what's around Melbourne, that's probably about the same for me. Oh, true, yeah. Um, I mean, Tauranga is an interesting kind of local market. There's there's a few really cool bars that do some really interesting beer. But for the most part, it's uh, dominated by uh, Lion and DB as far as uh, local cats. Um, so there's not actually a huge scope to sell a whole lot of beer locally unless you own your own operation. Um, are they all, um, all those taps are contracted, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you guys just not even try or how do you approach that? Uh, well, we try where we can, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, sometimes there's scope to get packaged stuff in, like uh, a few cans on their menu or stuff like that. But, uh, I mean... The majority of our kegs are still sold out of town. Um, uh, Wellington predominantly, Auckland secondarily. Um, the cool thing about it though is that the people that do do craft beer and are keen to support that do a pretty good job of doing it pretty well. So mm. you can you can sell, generally sell decent amounts through the right places rather than it being quite spread out across a number of smaller venues. So. Yeah, that's what I always. Um, like love about New Zealand is the small pockets that are supportive are really supportive and kind of enthusiastic. Um, is that probably, is that fair to say where you guys are? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So uh, there's a, there's a bar attached to our brewery here called the rising tide, which is um, owned by the Mount Marinko guys that we work with. Um, and that's a really, really awesome bar. It kind of really goes off every single day. Um, it's a great place to drink good beer. Um, we've got a bunch of taps there, they've got a bunch of taps there, and then there's a huge selection, about, probably about 20 other taps there. Yeah, there's four, I think there's 40 taps total, so yeah. there's about uh, yeah, 20, 24, 20 to 24 kind of free taps, um, which have a mixture of stuff from all around the country and uh, quite, a, quite an impressive kind of cider selection as well. They normally yeah. always have six to six to eight cider taps on, which I think uh, actually does bring a lot of people in. Cider hasn't really taken off that that much in Australia. Oh, really? kind of I, I sort of look at the New Zealand cider brands and it seems to be that's being pushed really hard at the moment. 
Yeah, um, yeah. There's some really, really good cider brands here. Um, you know, Pickens, Three Wise Birds, uh, Zephyr, obviously. Um, they were yeah doing some really cool stuff, some quite creative stuff as well, and uh, particularly Pickens with a lot of their their interesting barrel uh, bricked kind of uh, products that they've started bringing out in, in cans, which is just a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, it does seem to. I guess maybe be quite developed, but it's still not in the same sense that it would be in, say, the UK or something like that. You know? mm. um, speaking of ciders, uh, I, I was looking at all the Gabs beers, and there's some really cool sounding ciders. Um, but also, your beer jumped out at me. Yeah. Uh, mango tea sour ale, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you would have tried this other beer that we've brewed before. Uh, it's called Soul Train. It's a peach tea IPA that we make in collaboration with our, um, our good friend, Mark, who owns his own uh, tea company called Webster's Tea here in Tauranga. Um, so we uh, decided to collaborate with him again for for this, uh, for Gab's idea. So we have taken his, uh, his a mango rooibos blend. So I guess technically it's not a tea, but... Uh, you want to get pedantic about it <laughs> but um uh yeah he he makes this really lovely robust blend with mango pieces and uh we've just taken yeah, about three or four kgs of that and and put it in a in a kettle sour um and we also added a bit more mango to it as well and uh, mango puree and it's tasting awesome eh? you get a it's nice mango you get a yeah, that robust character coming through like quite strong on the nose it's tasting lovely so rooibos tea, that's like a South African tea, is that right? Yeah, yeah, just just grown in South Africa from what I understand. Uh, Rooibos is the English translation from, from Afrikaans. Yeah, right. Um, and how's that, so what does that taste like? Uh, it's got this kind of like um, woody, earthy, nutty kind of thing going on, um, which, uh, I mean, but it's also got a kind of citrusy kind of component. Um, it, it's working really well with the kind of inherent kind of citrus character you get from from kettle sours. Um, mm. And then yeah, the, I think the mango is working quite quite well on it too. Um, I, we're really happy with how it's tasting. I think it's going to hopefully go well at the festival. And it's yeah, yeah. beer that will uh, will last the distance as well. So yeah, I mean that's something that we've definitely been conscious of um, is actually how long it takes to get to these festivals uh, from from the brew day. So we tend to not brew hop forward beers um, just because of the risk of them going uh, over time, I guess. Yeah, so that's, um, are you guys going to do the Brisbane Gabs as well? No, we, I wanted to, because we've recently started sending some beer there um, to, to a Brisbane distributor, but um, uh, we we weren't able to, yeah. Mm. I think I, I th I'm not sure sort of how much they're kind of you know downplaying it or, or not you know blowing it up. Well, I think it was, first, uh, yeah. I think it was just a matter of uh, being able to ship the beer over there in time. That was what, uh, yeah. what I was told. And and it is it is an interesting one. Um, a lot of people are brewing really hop forward beers, and I've kind of been thinking about it. If people are doing Brisbane to Auckland, that's I don't know a couple of months. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting that you guys have sort of taken that approach. 
Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, as Dylan says, there's definitely a um, component to that and as far as the decision making goes for what beer to make. But also, um, as far as funk steak goes, like we, we just love our sours at the end of the day, you know, and we have a lot of fun with those all the time. So when the opportunity comes to make something like this, it's always pretty hard to resist. So, but, and <laughs> yeah, as Dylan says, it also helps out with the, um, the shipping part of it as well. Yeah. So, you guys are kind of doing, from what I've seen, a lot, a lot, a lot more sour stuff uh, recently. When I say recently, probably two or three years now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, can you talk about that? Is it uh, mostly kettle sour? Are you branching out into to sort of post souring kind of things? Um, we, uh, yeah, we only do kettle souring. We don't really have the the space or, um, or I guess yeah, the the wider facilities to be confident in doing a bigger kind of barrel aged sour um, operation. Um, we would love to do it, but it's, <laughs> yeah, there's a few um, few factors in, in the mix there as to why we don't. Um, but we, yeah, we we make quite a few kettle sours a lot of the time because we really like to drink them and, and just because of their accessibility, you know? Um, yeah, they, like uh, our biggest selling beer um, export wise is definitely Jungle Boogie um, and probably domestically now as well as far as our package goes. Um, yeah, we, we tend to focus on making a lot more uh, hot forward beers for keg and then Jungle Boogie is always in the mix there as well. But, um, so did you say Jungle Boogie is your best selling beer? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, across the board, yeah. I mean... Definitely in, in all our export markets, that's the case. Um, nationally, it's probably up there with a beer like Sophisticus, which is our kind of flagship IPA. Um, yep. But you know, to add, add, add up all the markets, it's Jungle Boogie, definitely. Yeah. Which is pretty crazy to think, you know, when you guys started out, um, I'm pretty sure, was it Beer Varna, you first launched one of your beers? That's the one, yep. Um, I remember interviewing you guys on the Beer Varna floor and I was loud. <laughs> Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, not actually on the floor. We were all pretty sober, just <laughs> in the crowd. Um, but, you know, back then, I, I there's probably maybe three sours at the whole of Biavana. Yeah. Uh, would you have guys anticipated going this direction when you're starting out? No, definitely not. Um, I mean, even when we started out and had launched Funk Estate, I mean, I personally hadn't probably hadn't been exposed to that many sour beers myself. Um, because they weren't even in the market at the time, really. Um, but they got well. We we were probably, I reckon we were probably among the first few guys to do yeah, Sarah, maybe. I think the um, from what I understand, the only the only people who had done done one before us in New Zealand was uh, Black Dog, who made a blend of us, and uh, maybe Eight Wide. I can't really recall. Yeah, so probably in the first few, and then we just kind of fell in love with them from there. I think and. Um, we'd, uh, we'd definitely tried a few more complex um, sours at the time through uh, the bar that um, both Shiggy and I used to work at, Hishigazaki, because um, they were bringing in like quite a lot of uh, US and uh, a lot of a lot of Mikula. Um So we tried like a good amount of those like super intense uh, Spontan series beers. Yeah. Mm. Also the Almanac beers as well. Oh yeah. Um, now I'm looking at a, a list of beers that are going to be at Catfish for Good Beer Week. I'm probably going to put this out 
this week even. So I think it's kind of cool to highlight what you guys are going to have a good beer week. Um, you're my boy Blue and Moondog collab. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just brewed Tell that. me about that. We brewed that, um, yeah, maybe almost a month ago now. Um, yeah, the Moondog guys were over for a bit of a bit of a tour of New Zealand and uh, we um, share a bit of a distributor over here who brings their stuff in and uh, they sort of teed it all up and Jordan had met the Moondog guys a while back um, but I had never had the pleasure um, and yeah we just kind of like emailed for maybe a couple months before actually doing it and um, throwing a few ideas together, together and Came up with a bit of a bit of a wacky combo, which uh, it definitely works. It's real interesting. Um, it, yeah, it's blueberry and blueberry and lemongrass and a and a hazy IPA. So it's uh, it's definitely what, worth trying. <laughs> what color is it at the moment? Uh, it's like purple. Yeah, it's like a deep purple. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, I, I feel like that could come out looking great or looking not so great. <laughs> yeah. yeah oh yeah know what you're in for before you order it it's it like, looks like a smoothie real hazy then yeah it's actually excellent sort of like a almost like a spirulina like mouthfeel to it i think yeah know, like, yeah not, not flavor but definitely the mouthfeel yeah yeah <laughs> so Hazy IPAs are going to be huge at Good Beer Week this year. Um, how many have you guys done, and, and what's been your experience with them? Uh, yeah, we've been doing them for maybe a, maybe a year or so now. Um, we've released a few in that time. Uh, the first one we made was called Nectar. We're still sort of making that every now and then. It's a yeah hazy hazy IPA with. Um, yeah, Citra, Amarillo, Mosaic, Simcoe, so a few banging US hops. Uh, we just sort of make that sporadically for keg only. But we've been packaging another one called uh, Most Definitely, which is just all Mosaic hopped. Um, bit of a bit of a nod to some of the music that I listen to mainly. But uh, yeah, um, and uh, uh, yeah, we just released another one called Electric Slide, which is a imperial one, seven seven point eight percent. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah, they, we've definitely had um, a couple of not 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 real issues, but um, just with the, the haze not staying in the keg sometimes. But we've yeah. definitely figured that out in the last uh, yeah six months or so, just um, through trial and error, really. So. Because it's kind of embarrassing when you put out a hazy and it doesn't end up staying hazy, but uh, it still tastes like a hazy, you know. <laughs> That's the main thing. There, there is that weird kind of um, perception where, like, hazy beer has to be crazy hazy for it to be, you know, anything. Yeah, I was. Like, I was it still tastes good. I was in, um, yeah, I was in the UK recently, and there were some really good ones I tried over there, but some of them were just they didn't they were too yeasty, eh? Like a real yeast bite to them. Um, which is definitely something we try and try and avoid. Um, kind of that's kind of definitely takes away from the from your overall experience with it. That's definitely my issue with the style. Um, so many versions of that yeast bite and hot burn kind of finish. Yeah, uh, it's I don't know if Shiggy, your experience at Happy Festival was any different to mine, but most of the things I had were just smooth. Uh, 
and it was kind of, I don't know, hammered home how, how good that style can be when it's done right. I think, well, I didn't try every single hazy IPA that was there because some of the queue that I gave up on lining up because it was so <laughs> yeah. long. Yeah. Although, um, were you in the conference part of it in the morning? Yeah, I was, yeah. So I remember that uh, modern times we were talking about how one of the collab with Firestone Walker came out pretty hazy, juicy, even though they put through um, Centrifuge. So, mm. no, if you know those people that, um, I think a lot of they do uh, have food at Centrifuge. So maybe the one that you, if you had a yeast bite, maybe that's a unfruited and uh, those beers could have yeast bite, but the ones that mm. I tried uh, didn't have it. Um, but yeah, I, I was surprised that they were using centrifuges so so much in in American breweries with these styles because I, I don't know if anyone's really doing them with centrifuges in in Australia or New Zealand. Uh, Emerson's do have a centrifuge. Um, last the most recent collab with we did with um, Emerson's and the Behemoth. Uh, they put through centrifuge and still stayed hazy. Yeah, right. How did that turn out? That was really good. Uh, it was a Yuzu, um, Yuzu, Yuzu Rye Hazy Pale Ale, yeah. It was, it was quite nice. Um, did you all go down to Emerson's? Chiggy uh, did. Yeah. I usually go down to the Needham Beer Festival and pour beer there. And um, we just fly, I fly in a few days before and put a brew with Emerson's. And then the next day, really hungover setting up the site. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much the only couple of days that we unlock the padlock and shake his leg and let him out of the brewery. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like brewing with Emerson's? Because Emerson's are kind of a, an icon of New Zealand, aren't they? Yeah, it was, um, it's, it's pretty big and really nice brewery. Um, it's quite funny that um, people talk about, you know, you walk in it every year and then like there's always like a new and funny episode about uh, Richard Emerson's. I quite enjoy like talk, uh, hearing those episodes about him, but I mean, I, I'm not sure maybe I shouldn't sh share too much about it. <laughs> <laughs> too much. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's good to have that line, Manny. I, I can say that at least. <laughs> <laughs> he opened up uh, his own cafe bar um, around um, in Dunedin, I can't remember where it was, but he seemed pretty happy about that place. You know, little pizza, like, yeah, cafe. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, are you guys going to be out for Good Beer Week? Um, not sure yet. <laughs> yeah, we're okay. yeah. We're going to do big things on the go at the moment here. So, uh... We left it to the last minute a couple of years ago and decided to go, but um, last year we didn't make it either. It's always a tricky month for us, actually, because um, it's it's our birthday in, in May, the company's birthday. So we always try and do like quite a few events around New Zealand uh, around that. So there's already a lot of travel involved. And um, yeah, ducking over to Australia sometimes doesn't seem to be um, too realistic at the moment. But I do miss it. Like last time I was over, it was so much fun. But uh you know, you just get so boozed, <laughs> and then you need, and then you need a detox for a week afterwards. And... It can be a bit of a slog. Could be a week. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, 
yeah, the, the last time we went over, we were there for a week, which I think is like like three too many days at least, you know, like four days. Yeah, four days is good. You know, you can manage yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I always try and schedule days off. Um, yeah, and I, I, this year I'm working officially for the festival, oh, so nice, yeah. that's probably not going to happen. But um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, just have to plenty of just work. Have to watch yourself, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, I noticed the other beer you're bringing out uh, that'll be at Catfish is please, please, please fresh up IPA. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tell me about that. Yeah, it's a six percent IPA that we um, put a lot of fresh Nelson Nelson Sauvignon in. So yeah, um, yeah, it's tasting really good. It's got a nice sort of balance going on. A little bit of uh, malt backbone kind of sweetness coming through, and then yeah, some really nice um, tropically, but also sort of that kind of classic uh, kind of bankish fresh fresh hop um, character. Um, please, please, please is just a reference to a, to an old James Brown song, and I guess our sort of thought process around naming that was um, how much people froth over the fresh hop thing every year in New Zealand. It's probably similar in Australia, I imagine. Um, Not really, to be honest. I think New Zealand does it a lot more. Not hardcore, but more, I guess, more celebrated. Yeah, um, I mean. It's definitely built up over the years around um, you know the craft beer capital guys uh, organizing Hopstock, which I'm sure you've heard about. It's, it's the annual uh, fresh hop uh, festival that runs for about four days in Wellington. Uh, mm. It's a lot of fun. Uh, if you ever get the chance to go to it, try to get on the trade bus. It's uh, I've heard it's a pretty crazy day with uh, some pretty. Um, Serious uh, binge drinking of fresh hot beers. <laughs> well, I can't, I can't support binge drinking on a podcast. But, uh, <laughs> responsible bus trips will be uh, always good. <laughs> Wait, did I say binge drinking? No, that's definitely not what I meant. <laughs> it might have been a glitch. It might have been a glitch in the audio. <laughs> but yeah, um, those guys have really helped bring it all up because I remember about. You know, ten years ago, the only people who were making a fresh up beer that that I was aware of was uh, was Max um, when they had that brewery on the waterfront in Wellington. Yeah, maybe yeah, Harvest Pilsner, I guess, has been going for a while. Sprig and Fern one, but Max released a beer called um, Rougelet every year, so we'd go down and try that. But um, I guess as more and more breweries have uh, opened up and craft beer capital has come online, they've really Put a lot of emphasis into making it into a, a really big thing, and it definitely is now. Lots of people are always asking for fresh hop beers. So. What's your experience using fresh hops? Like, do you do you find do you like using them, or would you prefer to use dried? And it's just kind of a one-off fun thing. Definitely a one-off fun thing <laughs> for sure. They yeah. um, there's a huge logistical component to it for, yeah. for us at the moment. You know, they get shipped out of New Zealand hops and delivered to all these depots around the country and the past two years Shiggy's had to go on a long distance drive L- last year to Wellington this year to Auckland um to pick them up and just the last last year went all the way to Nelson to get them <laughs> right yeah. drive the whole way drive the whole yeah, way was, was, never uh, mind yeah. it was um so yeah there's a huge logistical component to that um we definitely like the result in the beer, and we always enjoy bringing out the fresh hop beer. But oh, yeah, the brewery is awesome. It's man. a pretty fun, um, pretty fun project, but it'll be quite difficult to do on an ongoing basis. When they are, yeah. so we put the fresh hop in the mash tun, 
uh, I mean, clean and sterilized marsh land, and then uh, for the wart, like a really hot wart over, um, it's like almost like a hot back, but marsh land smells amazing on the day. So that's uh, one of the good thing about it. So I really do enjoy brewing it. That's, um, I know Hop Nation here, a local brewery to me, they did that this year with their fresh hop beer where they used the mash ton as a, a hop back. Yeah. And the results were, were really good. Um, I think mm, 50% of the hops went in there and 50% in the Whirlpool oh. and no dry hop, and it came out incredible. Oh, cool. Yeah, um, it's definitely, I think the mash ton is definitely the best way to do it. Yeah, you get the most out of it. And uh the easiest to clean at the end of the day, you know. <laughs> but you can yeah, that much fresh up because it just takes more space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you wouldn't want to. You wouldn't want that to be the reality uh, of your brew days every day of the year, you know. Just a bit of a bit of an extra step that um, yeah, is relatively unnecessary with the hot pellets, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Now, how did you guys end up in the mount after starting out in Wellington? That's, I guess, a long way away for New Zealand standards, at least. Yeah, definitely. So we're um, probably the most well-traveled brewery within New Zealand, I'd say, in the sense that, yeah, we started off as a contract brewing operation in Wellington and worked, uh, used a number of different breweries there. Um, and then eventually we got to the point where we kind of found we needed to get our own site and kind of take the next step. Um, so happened there's a brewery for sale in Auckland, um, which was called Governor's Brewery at the time. Um, and it looked like well, he, he was just there for sale and they just decided it's kind of shock shock. So we mm. were talking to him and managed to um, buy the gear and just take over the site that he had there. So that was the driver for our, for our shift to Auckland. Um, and also at the time, the Auckland beer market was uh, probably a well, much more underdeveloped than it is now um and there's there's there are beer brands there obviously but like craft beer hadn't done what it had done in wellington you know so there's a lot of scope to grow there um which we really enjoyed and then we were there for about two years i guess and that is when we launched our whole kind of can range and did a rebrand of our products and really kind of went from being uh, maybe not a hobby business, but uh, definitely a part-time business to really driving it full-time. Um, and unfortunately, we had a quite a big speed bump um, down the track where the guy that we had the lease with the building from, it was a sublease, so he held a lease with the building owner. And the middleman there, um, his company went into liquidation, which meant that his lease with the building owner was effectively cancelled, which meant ours was effectively cancelled. Um, and the building owner gave us 30 days to vacate the building, which when sure. you're a brewery is pretty, pretty difficult. Um, so at that point, we kind of had this decision in front of us. It was look, sort of, uh, do we shut up shop? Do we build a new brewery somewhere else? Do we, I don't know, do any number of other things? Um, the reality is that building a new brewery from scratch is a very lengthy, drawn-out process and um, expensive. And expensive, and we weren't mm. really prepared for it in the sense that we, in the amount of time we had, and you know, cash in the bank and all that sort of stuff, it was weren't really ready for it. So we decided that teaming up with another brewery would probably be the best issue, best um, option. 
and we got talking to the guys at Mount Barinko, who um, we, I kind of know through a bit of a family connection. Um, and as it turned out, they were looking to kind of redo their entire brewery setup and buy some new equipment and upgrade this and that and build a new chiller and everything else. And we kind of pitched it to them that, well, why don't we just go through that process together rather than kind of building two separate breweries individually. And the result is that we now have this joint venture brewing company together where um, we've kind of just combined the two budgets that we would have had and kind of managed to push it a bit further, I guess. And we're actually both really happy with what we've actually ended up with. Um, it was by no means part of the big two year, five year plan or anything like that, but I think it's uh, a case that we've actually come out on top in the end. So I'm pretty happy with it. It's interesting to hear you guys were close to finishing up as a result of that. That's got to be a rough time. Oh, I mean, we weren't really. I mean, we we, we could have if we'd wanted to. We uh, it was a well, come on. You, you got to play up the struggle here <laughs> to, to get everyone on the play. It was a lot of it was a lot of pressure to it was it was a lot to sort through in thirty days. We'll put it that way. Um, but yeah, um, just just things like you know finding a new site and getting all the um, sign-offs and consents and licensing and all that sort of stuff sorted um, is just a huge time suck. And any downtime we would have had in brewing would have been pretty costly as well. So um, the, the reality was that we just kind of shifted all our gear and set up shop reasonably quickly Yeah, in the, in the we, grand scheme of brewery setups. We probably weren't brewing for maybe six weeks, two months in total. So yeah, it, uh, we, we kept it pretty quick, you know. Um, made things happen pretty fast. So that didn't really yeah. Uh, yeah, impact our supply to market and um, and as a byproduct of our profitability, I guess. No, we never we never ran out of beer, which is good. I had my auto yeah. at the same time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so the last, um, probably the, yeah, the last weekend we had to package beer before uh, we shipped all the gear down. Um, we were literally about to start packaging uh, at about 10 a.m. on a Saturday. We were going to empty all of the tanks. And uh, Shuggy gets a call from uh, his mum, well, his wife, that she's going into labour. And so he had to leave. <laughs> and we don't blame, we don't blame him for leaving at all. But I, you know, I, I, I knew then and there that I was staring down the barrel of uh, two back-to-back 18-hour days, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, with, uh, with, with joy you know <laughs> I was uh, yeah I'm, I'm assuming I'm hoping Shiggy you knew that was happening as well right it wasn't a complete surprise <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it knew it was going to happen some stage what a stressful time for everyone <laughs> yeah we got it done yeah it's, it's all good though it was uh, part of the story now and as I say, it's, um, the, what we're working with now, as far as the brewery setup and the, the staff and all that's a much better setup than what we had initially. So um, it's really been a good, good transition, you know. So did you uh, move all that kit from Auckland to the mountain? Yeah, 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 exactly. Cool. Um, so what? <laughs> tell me about the setup there. What's that? Tell me about the setup. Sort of what's the you know uh, what's the volumes and everything. Um, so our our brew kit's a, a twelve hectolitre kit. Um, 
It's manufactured by a guy called Chris Little, who's based out of Nelson. Uh, well, he buys in the tanks, I guess, and then he fits them out with uh, yeah, some pretty nice sort of mod cons. Um, and yeah, we we probably have the capacity to brew somewhere between 350 and 400,000 liters a year uh, total. So we split that relatively evenly across the two brands. Um, and yeah, we have our own little canning machine and probably uh, the biggest upgrade we experienced by coming here was uh, building this 80 pallet um, chiller. So uh, it's so good. <laughs> it's so, so good. We can fit so much beer in it. <laughs> the chiller we had in Auckland probably held like four pallets, four pallets or something like that. Wow. So it was a nice, uh, nice change. Yeah. So what does that mean logistically for you? Then you can kind of get more beer out at once and, and store more beer. Is that oh, kind of how I mean, it we, works? We definitely were making like far more beer than that chiller could hold in Auckland. It just meant that we were paying for cold storage elsewhere. So, um, and it was logistically quite difficult as far as, you know, if you needed stock to do something, you could get it back from the warehouse and then ship it out again and all that sort of stuff. So just having, holding everything here is, makes it a lot easier. And, um, Means that we can kind of track it a lot easier as well, and yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. Hmm. So, tell me about the uh, now that you've kind of settled in and, and had a chance to breathe. Where is Funk Estate headed in the next few years? Oh, good question. Um. Well, I think Dylan mentioned it at the beginning. We're definitely um, pretty keen to um, see the UK stuff uh, grow quite a bit. I think that's definitely one of our. Uh, one of our priorities yeah um, we're trying to um, focus on sending um yeah some like like our sour beers over there particularly um and some of our darker ones and definitely focus less on on the hot board beers over there um just because of the two months it takes to travel um and as far as domestic and australia we're sort of like uh switching our range up a bit um, over the next sort of few months and uh, gonna be making beers like Soul Train, the PhD IPA, a bit more of a core offering. Um, probably introducing uh, or switching one of our beers around, which um, is called um, Mothership, it's a mosaic APA. We're gonna change that into, into a mango APA, which should be a lot of fun. Um, and we just have a bit of a, it's probably one of the first years ever we've actually had a, a sort of like concrete plan about what we're going to be releasing, uh, you know, six, 12, 18 months in advance, you know. Um, so we have a list of seasonals that we've got coming up to. Yeah. yeah That's awesome. sort of like a couple of years we've been um, doing a lot of stuff with six packs as well um, and kind of playing that game a bit. But we decided we're probably going to try and wind that down a little, to a certain extent um, and focus more on just the more regular um, seasonals and chopping and changing and being a bit more free and funky, which we obviously like to do, um, rather than kind of sticking to the same SKUs and six pack format month on month, because I would kind of feel like as a company, we like to innovate a lot more than that allows us to do, I think. So um, I think that's probably, we probably get the best results at the end of the day with the customers and stuff on the back of that. So yeah, um, we're gonna try and, Go back to basics, I think, as far as <laughs> fun goes. Yeah. 
Is, is that a bit of a, a risk? I know that's kind of the eternal balance of getting volume and, and six packs versus one-off releases. Um, you know, what are the risks for, for your end or, or do you see just positive risks? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously the six-pack game has some benefits in the sense, you know, you get on a shelf and if you can stay there, it's kind of like regular sales um, month in, month out. Um, you're forced to make less money on those beers on a dollar liter basis because you're selling them at a lower price point, obviously, and there's a lot more competition there. Um, so if people are, have 20 bucks in their pocket or whatever it is, they'll, they're weighing it up against everyone and they you know, want to see good value for what they're getting. Um, whereas in the single unit market, they're kind of wanting to pay a bit more premium for, for something that's a bit more weird and wacky or a bit more of a one-off experience maybe, um, which we kind of find sits quite well for us as a brand. Um, I don't know. I think that the six-pack game is getting pretty, New Zealand at least, getting pretty crowded. Um, a lot of people are doing them now. And I don't know. Certain brands are doing really, really well with them. Um, but I feel like we could be doing like I, I, I don't I don't feel bad about winding down six packs to be honest. I feel like it's gonna be a lot better from a business point of view, but also a lot more fun. Yeah. Point of view. And I think the customer's gonna have a lot more fun as well because they'll be able to see beers that we're bringing out new beers more regularly and not kind of like you know, just the, the stock standard stuff that they've had for the past year or something like that, you know, in the six pack market. We um We'll continue to to make a mix six pack, which is called uh, the Funky Bunch, um, and we'll just probably wind down all the other ones. But we'll still we'll still so be in, in the six pack market in a sense. Yeah, that seems to be. Uh, I know that happened in the US a while back, where people started experimenting in that space. Um, how's that going for you? That sort of mix six pack. Really space? good, yeah. Um, Great. Um, yeah. It's. It, ever since we started it, it's been a really great product for us. Um, picked over like clockwork, it never, never really fluctuates and you just get sort of consistent sales month in, month out. Um, and it's because it's a lot of fun for, for the consumer, you know, and particularly with our one, you don't necessarily get the same thing every time. Because um, we have about, yeah, eight, eight or nine beers that we can sort of slot into it at any one point. So uh kind of keeps you guessing a little bit and um yeah yeah people just like to you know to try a lot of different things and in, in a single pack and it gives them lots of variety you know yeah we hear some good stories about mm. it as well in the sense you know like um people get given them for a friend friend will give them for a birthday present or like a secret santa gift or that sort of thing you know it's like it's a good gift for someone who you know, likes beer, but can have a bit of everything. And try some of them, they may have not. Tried, they may have tried others, um, and it just kind of it works quite well, I think, as a as an offering. Yeah. Mm, mm. Um. Now, tell me about your your branding. Uh, Funk Estate's got a kind of a hip hop slash disco theme. <laughs> yeah. Um. That's been kind of I've seen people talking about it in the US, and I've talked about it before. It can be a dicey place to play in. Uh. With you know, African-American culture. Has it ever come up for you guys? Um, no, not really. Um, I mean, we're we're definitely uh, conscious of 
crossing any kind of uh, boundaries there, I guess. Um, yeah, it's it's an... we just try and keep it fun and colourful and and funky, and uh, we don't try and culturally appropriate uh, at all, really. So we're quite uh, aware that there is a a line that we could step over, and uh, mm. no one's ever hit us up, so. I don't think it's happened. <laughs> yeah, I think all our all our stuff is just like Dylan says. It's just focused around being fun and colorful and vibrant and happy, really. So it's like I don't know. We like we we do have that concept in our minds. We don't want to you know cross that line, but we don't feel like we've done it yet, and we haven't been told we have any at least. Um, and yeah, it, it's an interesting one because I've. I mean, I've talked about it in relation to brands here in Australia that I, I think have definitely crossed the line. And I was looking at yours and I, I kind of thought, I don't know enough about it to ask the question even like, because I don't know where these lines are. Um, so it, I guess it's, yeah, it is cool that you guys have thought about it. Um, and it, I think it's getting tougher as well with, you know, making sure that you are on the positive side rather than the negative side. Yeah, isn't it? And I think one thing that's worked well for us as well is that, we've literally built our brand around this whole thing from the beginning. You know, we haven't just come out and made a beer that has some reckless naming to it. And we think it's a bit of a laugh and kind of thrown kerosene on the fire. Um, you know, it's like, mm. it's been a bit of, it's been a process for the past seven years and we've built, you know, we have a, our core character is an African-American woman with an Afro and we've, Mm. had that since the beginning and we've always treated it with respect and everything and um well, we i mean we did uh move away from that um a few years ago as far as like it being so such a dominant part of the imagery um we and was that with that thought in mind or that was just kind of a rebrand um, i just wanted to have a bit more fun with it to be honest um it wasn't really like we need to do this it was more i'm bored of our of our branding and I want it to be a bit more flexible. I want to be able to do a lot of different things and not just be so um, uh, formulaic, I guess. Yeah, so I mean, like, rewind the clock before we did our rebrand. Um, we were we were kind of one of those brands that, you know, had that typical label and then for each new beer would adapt it in some sort of way, you know? It'd be a new color or there'd be some sort of adaptation to the core character or something like that. And but you, if you lined up five different beers, you'd be able to be like, oh, okay, well, that's effectively the same image being tweaked time and time again, you know? But I think what I'm saying here is that the way we changed it when we did the rebrands, we just kind of gave ourselves a much bigger sandbox to play in. And mm. so there weren't any rules after that. Whereas before it used to be, okay, this is our core image. Let's come up with a beer name. And then how do we incorporate that beer name into this image? But now it's kind of like, well, let's come up with the beer name. And then Let's do whatever we want with that name. And yeah. the, our, our character is definitely still in the mix there in many different ways and is being referenced constantly in the labels, but not in the same like way that it used to be. Mm. Um, yeah, cool. Yeah, I was, look, I was just looking through the Shopify link um, and it's nice and colorful. Which is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really yeah. colorful. <laughs> Um, I reckon we've covered everything I, I wanted to ask. Anything you guys wanted to, to add or, or plug while we're here? Um, no, I, th I think that's pretty good. I think we've said most of the stuff I want to say. Um, 
Make sure you get up there and drink your some steak beer. Um, where do people find your beer, say, if they want to check it out on the internet or even in real life? What's the best way to do it? Uh, in Australia or? Anywhere. We're, we're, we're worldwide these um, days. Well, we send, we send beer to, to Melbourne and to Brisbane. Um, and, yeah, I mean, if, if you are in New Zealand, you can buy in a lot of lot of places lots of new worlds lots of pack and saves uh our online store um is a, always a great spot to find it uh guarantee <laughs> but um yeah how do i find that if i just google funk estate exactly, online yeah. Store? Yeah. Uh, i don't think cool. really, any anything else really comes up if you if you search funk estate you know it's kind of a, a unique name in a sense but um yeah we we've been sending stuff to the uk for about a year now as well so we're definitely presence over there in some capacity but um yeah i mean i don't really know specifics about about the australian yeah, yeah, yeah. about where to buy in australia so i can't really help there i guess if anyone looks if anyone look, uh, if, if anyone's oh, listening sorry. wants to ask where they can get it specifically um just flick us a message on facebook and we'll sort them out cool uh who, who's the distributor in, in australia um do you know dreams from Hemlock? Hemlock? yeah yeah. All right. So if you're in Australia, get it yep. Trent from Hemlock. And uh, we also have um, Tasman Distribution in, in Brisbane um, who uh, yeah, distribute to liquor stores and bars up there in Queensland. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, thanks for your time, yeah. guys. Sure. I look forward to seeing you guys in, in Melbourne, uh, maybe for Good Beer Week or if not, sometime in the future. Yeah. Do you ever in the mountain, man? What's up? <laughs> <laughs>